We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Let me see if my boys know this. Boys, what is mom's favorite movie? Elf. Yes. Good. My wife's favorite movie is Elf, right? Uh, The other day we saw, it was like June. I think it was back in June. It was on like Netflix or Hulu or something. And my wife's like, and the boys are like, right? She could watch it. Any day, every day, no matter time of year, it doesn't have to be Christmas season, right? And so I love that movie. It's probably one of the one movies I really love Will Ferrell in, right? I do love some of his movies, but that one is a classic. I I can't picture anyone else doing Elf other than Will Ferrell, right? And there's this one scene in there that gets me every time, no matter what, every time I just start busting up laughing. And it's, it's when he's in Gimbal's, right? And he's walking around, he's dressed as the elf, and the uh, department manager's like, hey, everyone, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming. Santa! I know him! Right? Every time I start busting up laughing. I know him! Today we're going to read some scripture, and we're going to talk out these blessed rhythms, and we're going to start in 1 John. And John's talking about, hey, if we say we know him, what does that look like, right? As I was thinking through this, I'm like, what if, like, what if we could travel back in time? And what if like uh, the disciples, they were, they were, on, they were hanging out in, uh, let's say, Samaria, right? And all of a sudden, this Samaritan was like, hey, everyone, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Jesus is going to be here. Jesus! I know him! Right? That would be awkward. It'd be hilarious, right? But if we are going to say that we know him, what does that look like? 1 John says this. 1 John chapter 2. It says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. This is God's word. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you that you have provided a way to know you. That through your son, Jesus Christ, through the word inspired by the Holy Spirit, we have accounts of how he walked, how he spoke to people, how he demonstrated what you are like and what you have done, and what you are doing, and what you will do. So Father, speak to us this morning about the truth of who you are and how we can walk 
as Jesus did. It's your name we pray. Amen. So again, we talk about, um, today we're going to talk about walking how Jesus walked, right? And here at Missio, we call these the BLESS rhythms, right? It's an acronym. Each of those uh, each of those letters stand for a word, so it's helpful for us to remember. But here at Missy, we have to start, if we start here, if we just started the blessed rhythms, if you're like me and you're like, oh, sweet, finally. Last week, we learned about who we were. We learned about our new identity. Chris Gonzalez came in and, came in and uh, spoke to us and taught us. I, I wasn't here, but I listened to it on the podcast. Um, about who we are, our true identity as a family of missionary servants, because of what God has already done, we're able to live out this new identity. And now what does that look like? So we talk about these blessed bless rhythms, bless rhythms, bless rhythms. But we have to start at the first question. We have first que- uh, four questions here at Missio that we kind of talk through that we want to ask ourselves as we seek to know God and walk as Jesus walked. And those four questions are, who is God? What has he done? Who are we? And now how do we live? Right? These blessed rhythms answer the fourth question. And it's the only active question. It's the only question that demands a response and an action to it, right? The first three are passive. They demand our trust and our belief and our loyalty, but this fourth question demands action. So if you're like me, you're like, sweet, finally, just give me the practical things I need to get done. Just lay it out for me. You know, just tell me what they are. Bless, listen, eat, Sabbath, speak. Cool, I'll do those. But if we start at the fourth question, if we start at what we're supposed to do, then these blessed rhythms will just turn into a checklist for us to gauge how well we are, how how good of a Christian we are. It will turn into a checklist for us to gauge how well or how good we are in relationship to Jesus and others. And that's going to get tiring. It's going to get depressive going to cause anxiety because it's just things we need to do, right? So we have to start with this first question. Who is God? How do we know him? What has he done? Who are we now? And then we can talk about the blessed rhythms. So these blessed rhythms should flow out of our new identity. They should flow out of Who is God knowing who God is through silence and solitude and prayer, through reading his word, to looking for him in creation and seeing evidences of grace, hearing what he's doing in the lives of our family, our church family, or in the lives of your friends, hearing how he is moving, hearing how he is shaping and molding the church, his people, the nations, to know him more deeply and intimately. We have to start with the knowing, and then we can do the doing. I love this quote uh, by Richard Bauckham. I think we have it. 
Here, let me get out of the way. It says, blessing is a rich biblical notion. Blessing in the Bible refers to God's characteristically generous and abundant giving of all good to his creatures and his continual renewal of the abundance of created life. Blessing is God's provision for human flourishing. But it is also relational. To be blessed by God is not only to know God's good gifts, but to know God himself in his generous giving. The first rhythm in this blessed rhythm is what? What's, what do you guys, you guys are going to have to teach me, right? One of the things I was in this, um, I was in this uh, teacher training, this Arizona Department of Ed training. And one of the things the trainer said is, the best way for your students to learn is for them to teach, right? The best way we learn is how, if we have to teach something, right? I often find when I'm uh, scheduled to preach, whatever I'm scheduled to preach on is usually like, ooh, it brings up a lot of stuff in me, right? I'm forced to dig deep. I'm forced to know God, to dig into his word to see things in his word that brings up stuff in me. So when I'm forced to teach, that's the best way to learn. So that's why oftentimes Chris and I will ask questions. We want feedback is because we could just sit up here and talk to you. But the best way for us to learn is for you to teach, for you to engage. So B in the blessed rhythm is, is kind of an easy one, honestly. What's B? Oh, you cheated. Bless. The B in bless in the bless rhythms is bless. And we are blessed to be a blessing. In the Old Testament, in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, God gives, makes a covenant with Abraham and his people. And he says, Abraham, leave your country and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. There I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing to the nations. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And through you, all of the families of the earth, or all of the nations, will be blessed. Right? This covenant with Abraham was, hey, I am going to choose a people. I am going to choose this group of people, Israel. Your descendants and your descendants' descendants, I choose you. Not because you've done anything, not because you're special, but because I want you to be a people that demonstrates to the rest of the world who I am. You are going to be a people that is blessed, not for your own sake, not so you gain more prosperity, not so you gain more wealth, not just so you experience my good gifts, but so that you experience and you know me. One of the greatest blessings, oftentimes when we think about blessings, we think of just getting things, right? We talk about, oh, I was blessed. I got an unexpected check in the mail, right? I was blessed. I received this. What if the greatest blessing that we have ever received is the opportunity to know God. 
And this is God's covenant with his people. Israel, you are gonna be the only nation who knows who I am, who knows I'm the one true living God. All of these other nations that surround you worship idols. They worship all of these other false gods. They have so many. You, Israel, are gonna be the one nation that demonstrates to all of them that there's one God and he's alive and he's well and he blesses his people. He protects them. He provides for them. He rescues them. So your blessing is not for your own sake. It's meant to be a display to the people around you. But Israel failed at this. They became an ethnocentric. They thought it was just for them, right? They're like, we are God's people. We are the Christian nation, right? Y'all others are heathens. It's all about us. And so they become an ethnocentric people who more reflect the idols of the cultures around them than they do the one true living God. Instead of being a people who pointed the nations to the one true God by, by caring for the poor, by taking in and welcoming the refugee, by seeking justice for the oppressed, by being a voice for the people that had no voice, by being peacemakers among fighting nations and people and seeking the well-being of their neighbor. They become more concerned that they make the most money so they could buy all the latest things and that they had the most followers on Instagram and that they have a Republican king in office so they could keep their guns and 401ks fully stocked. Oh, wait, that's the wrong culture. Sorry, I got those mixed up. But because of sin, Israel could never fully demonstrate. They could never fully reflect the kingdom of God to the nations. They always turned inward. So God sends Jesus. God sends his son. He's like, Israel, you're not fully displaying who I am. The nations don't know me. So he sends Jesus, and Jesus comes to start to show what the kingdom of God is like. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus constantly corrects and redirects and rebukes his disciples and church leaders and Gentiles and others of what they think the kingdom of God is like or what it's going to be like. In Mark 10, let me see, I have these handy-dandy post-its, teacher style right here. In Mark 10, uh, verses 42 through 45, uh, Jesus calls his disciples over and he says, hey, this is, this is right after James and John ask, ask Jesus, hey, uh, Jesus, uh, when we get to heaven, uh, can one of us sit on your right hand and one of us sit on your left hand? Jesus is like, do you even know what you're asking? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, are you sure? Are you going to be able to bear the cup that I bear? They're like, yeah, yeah, we totally can. He's like, well, it's not mine to give. It's not mine to give. It's the Father's. So right after that, he says, so they're wanting this, they're wanting this notoriety. Like, God, we want to be seated at your right hand and your left. 
We want to be the most important, right? We want to have the position and the power and the authority when we get to heaven so that all will see who's seated at, their right and left, at your right and left hand, right? And Jesus is like, whatever. He's like, all right, everybody. Teachable moment. Let's go. Everybody gather in. These two think they can be seated at my right and left hand. Let me, let me explain to you what the kingdom of God is like, right? It's not about position. It's not about influence. Not about authority. This is what it's like. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. It's not so with you. That's not what the kingdom of God is like. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus begins to show us that if we claim to know him, to walk as he walked is not about position or power or authority or influence. Because he knows when we get those, we want to lord it over others. We will use it because of sin to keep down, to oppress, to separate those who have and those who have not. Those who are like me and those who are not. Those who deserve me or those who deserve to hear the good news of Jesus and those who do not, right? When we get that power and that influence because of sin, we lord it over others. Not so with the kingdom of God. To know God and to walk as Jesus did is to be a slave of all. The blessings are not just for our benefit, but are meant for us to serve the people around us, to care for the poor, to fight for the oppressed, to give voice to the voiceless. It is not for our own sake, but the sake of the world. That they too might know there is a true and living God. So as, you, as we kind of talk through this blessed rhythm, some, some reflection questions for you to leave with, right? I thought about like maybe like what if we did some reflection questions and what if I had you break up into groups and you all answered this? And then I remembered I was an extreme introvert and I'm like, I would absolutely hate that. And so I'm not going to make it. Yeah, Aaron, I, 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 was, I thought of you too. I'm like, me and Aaron would be like, I'd walk out, right? Like, ooh, bathroom time, you know, like. Sorry, so I'm not gonna make you do that, but I am gonna give them to you. So as you leave here, you can reflect on them on your own time. I think we have them Do No, we don't, so I'm gonna tell you them. How are we serving others in ways that draw them into relationship to know God? How are we serving other people? And by that service, are they drawn into a relationship to know the one and true living God? 
Another question, do our lives display what the kingdom of God is like by how we serve others? Or do our lives display what the kingdom of man is like by how we look out for our own selves? That one, that one hit me. I was like, ooh. I can be pretty selfish sometimes with my time, with my money. Right? Do our lives display what the kingdom of God is like by how we serve others? Or do our lives display what the kingdom of man is like by how we look out for our own selves? All right, L. What's the L? Don't, don't put it up yet. What? What's the L? Let's, yeah, let's do kids. What is it? Leslie? Cool. Yeah, I know a Leslie, but that's, yeah. It is an L word. Good job. What is the L in the bless? Maybe I should have been more specific. Thank, thank you. What does the L in bless rhythms stand for? Huntington. Listen. Yes. Good. You were listening when we talked about it at the dinner table the other night. Good job. Listen, one of the ways, one of the best ways we can be a blessing to others is by listening. We're so quick to do and to speak, but one of the greatest blessings I have found in my life is when I feel heard and known. And so listening to the Spirit of God through God's Word and his world, intentional listening takes a posture of humility, right? If we are going to truly listen to what God has to say, it's taking a posture of, God, I, I don't know everything. I'm going to listen to what you have to say, right? It takes a posture of, I, you have something that I need to learn. I want to hear from you. I want to learn from you, right? So as we learn to the spirit and as we listen to the stories of others, it's always with the posture of, I want to know you, right? God, I want to know you, so I'm going to listen, right? The best way to know somebody, to get to know somebody is how? What's the best way to get to know somebody other than Facebook stalking them? Yes. Asking questions. Perfect. Did you read my notes? No? Okay, because I forwarded them to your dad, and if he let you read them. Yes, Alsatia. Going to their house? Yes, you get to know a lot about a person by looking at their house, huh? Yeah. I think that's why my wife always likes to clean before people come over, and I'm like, eh. Yes. Calling them to talk to them, right? To get to know someone, you got to actually talk to them, right? Yeah. yeah. Going to their MC, yes. Doing life together, great answer. That's a plug. If you're not involved in an MC in a missional community... It's a great way to get to know people, right? Doing life with them, serving with them. Yeah, good. Yeah, the best way to get to know people is by listening to their story, asking questions, right? 
so quick, we're, we're quick to listen, but we're always assuming things in the back. I don't know if you're like me, but most times, you could, you could verify this with my wife, most times, if I'm intentionally listening, I'm always thinking of what I should say next, right? I'm always like, ooh, this might be a good verse to add. Ooh, this might be uh, a good piece of advice. Like, ooh, I should tell them not to do that. You know, like I'm always thinking of what I should say next. But intentionally listening with gospel intentionality is, taking, is engaging, intentionally listening to get to know the story of somebody else, right? To get to know God, we have to listen to him and his word. As we, as, we, uh, as we pray, as we seek God, as we seek to listen to God, some questions that you might ask in your time with Jesus. What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying? And then listen. What does, uh, what does this verse say about who God is or what he has done or who I am in Jesus? And then listen. God, what does this sunrise or sunset say about who you are and what you've done? What is this piece of creation or what is this story or movie or any piece of life? What does this say about who you are and what you have done and the story we live in now? God, how are you trying to form me? What are you trying to do in my heart and in my life? And then listen. God, how are you trying to form my spouse? or my kids, or my friends, or my coworkers, or my neighbor, or the cashier at the grocery store, or my mechanic, or my, or my students. How are you trying to form them? And then sit and listen. And then ask, how can I partner with you in helping to form them so that they know you more deeply? What are you trying to do in our world? And then sit and listen. How are you inviting me to participate in what you're doing? And then sit and listen. What do I need to hear, Lord? And then sit and listen. Not only do we have the privilege and blessing of being heard and by hearing from God himself, but we also get to reflect this blessing to others by listening to them in their story. Listen to their story. Ask questions. I don't, I don't remember who said ask questions, but yes, that's a great way to learn from somebody, a great way to know someone. I, uh, I remember when I was in college, I was always like, I'm, I'm not a big fan of like, I hate small talk, right? Again, as an introvert, I just hate small talk. I'm not good at it. It gets awkward. That awkward silence, I'm like, uh, oh, okay, uh, good to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, a, a guy that was discipling me in college, he's like, listen, all you need to do is get really good at asking questions and people are more than happy to talk about themselves. So get, learn the art of asking questions. And I feel like that was such, that I've, I've kept that all these years. Learn the art of asking questions. Right? And sometimes we can hide behind it, right? As an introvert, I'm like, cool, as long as I keep asking questions and you keep talking about yourself, then I don't have to talk. Right? 
So there, there is some reciprocation that needs to go on there, right? As you are actively listening, then they'll in turn listen to you. But learn the art of asking questions. And as you're listening to the story of others, also be listening to what the Spirit might be saying to you to speak to them, right? Again, it's not this like, oh, I got I to gotta think of a good verse to say to speak into the situation. But as you're listening to their story, praying, God, what do you want to say to them? And so as you're listening to them, also be listening to the Spirit that you might be able to speak into their life. Some reflection questions for listening. How are we intentionally creating spaces in our lives in order to hear from God? Because I'll tell you what, in the busyness of life, it is hard to hear from God. So how are we creating spaces in our home, in our lives, in our workplaces that we are able to hear from God? Second question, what story, I wrote this question, this question was for me, honestly. I hope it'll minister to y'all too, but what story are we spending more time listening to? What story are we spending more time listening to? The story of God so that we can know him more deeply or the story our culture and media outlets are telling us? I, I, that was a question for me. I was like, ooh, I got to delete some of my news apps on my phone because I found that I was spending more time on my news apps than I was in God's word. Amen? That was for me. E. What's the E in blessed rhythms? You know it? E. Close. It, it's, a little, it's a little less... Uh, yeah, it's just, it's eat, yeah. I was trying to find the word, but yeah. Encourage would have been a good, like, biblical, like, yeah, encourage. It's just eat, right? It's just eat. But again, a rhythm we do every single day without thought. We have breakfast, lunch, dinner, right? Unless you're intermittent fasting, and then you only have lunch and dinner, right? Something we do every single day, but often don't do with some gospel intentionality. How do I structure my eating in ways that communicates to others that they might know him more deeply? Hmm? Let's see how Jesus did it, right? Read the gospel of Luke, okay? Jesus eats his way through the gospel of Luke. He's always eating in Luke, right? There's 19 stories in Luke that deal with meals. And 13 of those are specific just to Luke. They're not found in any of the other gospels, right? So Jesus is always eating in Luke. And in, this, uh, in that culture, right, especially during when Luke was writing this and, and during the intertestamental time when Jesus kind of withdrew from the people, or God withdrew from the people or speaking directly to them, this, the, the idea of meals, um, the banquet, the feast, right? 
These were pictures that the communities and the cultures started to rally around that were a picture of what the new creation was going to be like. Right? They used it as kind of an analogy or a metaphor or a story to kind of say, hey, this feast where everyone's invited, where everyone has different stories from different backgrounds, from different places, at this banquet table where everyone's invited, that's what the new creation's going to be like. In that one day, in the great banquet, in the great feast, in the new creation, every tribe, tongue, and nation will be worshiping the one true living God, right? So Jesus, Jesus uses these meals, uses eating time to teach, to tell stories, to intentionally uh, teach his disciples and those he's um, eating with what the kingdom of God is like, right? And so Jesus shares meals all throughout Luke. Jesus shares meals and he reclines at the table of tax collectors, Pharisees, prostitutes, the poor, sinners, the marginalized, the oppressed. He's eating with those people, sharing with them. And again, for the church leaders, for the Pharisees, a lot of times they're like, why are you doing this? You shouldn't be eating with these people. But in Luke, he's, this is what uh, he teaches at mealtimes. He uses eating as a way to show these people what the kingdom of God is like. In Luke 7, 48, he teaches us that sins are forgiven. In uh, 7, 40 through 47, in that same story, he rebukes the Pharisees and he says, all are equal and all are invited to this table. In 5, 27 through 32, again, he says, all are welcomed here. In 10, 38, 42, the word is taught. In chapter 19, the repentant are restored. In 24, and 30 through the rest of the chapter, Jesus is recognized. He teaches them, I am the Messiah. I'm the one you've been looking for. So in all of these meals, in all of these ways, Jesus is constantly teaching and reminding them and showing them, if you want to know me, this is what the kingdom of God is like. To walk how I walk in your meal times when you eat with one another, display the kingdom of God. Some reflection questions. Who are we inviting to our table? That one was for me too. A lot of these questions, I think, are just, were just for me. And like, I'm like, well, I hope somebody gives us out something out of this. The second one, do the guests at our table reflect who will be present at God's banquet table in the new creation? The poor, the marginalized, the oppressed the foreigner, the stranger. I don't know about prostitutes. I don't know if you want to. That was kind of like a, ooh. But do they reflect who will be present at God's banquet table in the new creation? Okay, I'm getting hot and we still got two more to go. I'm going to power through this. The first S. Okay, we got bless, listen, eat, What's the, 
the first S or the fourth letter? Yeah, Maya. Listen. Good. It starts. Good. That was the second one. Good job. You got the L. I feel like you're a good listener. S. Yeah, Beckett. Ooh, you wish. It's not sleep. I wish it was sleep. That would be, oh man. If I could show people what the kingdom of God is like by sleeping, that'd be, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Not C. That's a good guess. What did you say? Oh, okay. I thought you said something else. I was like, boy, we haven't had that talk yet. Yes. Speak. Speak. It is speak. Yes, speak. Again, something we do every single day, right? But do we do this? Or are we speaking the truth of who God is and his story to ourselves and to others? Right? The truth of who God is and what he has done and who we are now is a story that's very different from the story that our world and our culture and our media is communicating to us right now. Right? The good news of the gospel of Jesus is a story that has to be told over and over and over again. That God is the creator of all things. He is the one and true living God. He created all things and was perfect at the beginning. Right? We chose to try and do life on our own and ignore his power and authority and sin entered the world. Right? But he, he made a promise. I'm not going to leave it like this. Right? I'm going to send someone to reconcile and redeem all things. I promise you, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Right? And he does. He sends his son. And by his life, death, resurrection, we have been reconciled to him. And then we're, now we are family of missionary servants, right? Who are called to display and demonstrate this good news, this story, so that people might know him and that we might walk as he walked, Right? And then we look forward to, and our hope is in one day, God returning to restore creation, to usher in the new creation, where all things have been restored. Sin has been completely wiped out, right? And things are restored to how they were at the beginning, where we will work, we will bless, we will serve, we will listen, we will eat, we will speak, we will Sabbath. I just gave you the last answer. Without sin. We will enjoy, we will recreate, we will play. We will compete, we will play sports. I'm looking forward to that. But with no sin, right? How does that happen? I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ the story that we need to continue to remind ourselves that we are living in. And we get to speak that to others, right? As I was kind of working through this, I was reminded of just the, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, right? And how Jesus speaks to her. One, he wasn't supposed to be talking to her, right? She was a Samaritan. Worse than that in that time, not, not today. I'm not saying women are worse, but uh, in that time, worse than being a Samaritan, it was a woman, right? And it was in the middle of the day. So that tells us that was in the normal time that women went to the well, right? And as we find out later, she had a little bit of a shady past, right? And a shady present. 
And so she went at a different time of the day so she wouldn't have to deal with the shame and the guilt of her sin, right? And Jesus says, hey, give me a drink of water. And she's like, you're not supposed to be talking to me. He's like, give me a drink of water. I need water. He's like, but if you knew who I was, you wouldn't be asking for it. You would be coming to me for water. If you knew me, you'd be asking me for water. Because I'm the only one that can give you water, a water that will last for eternity, right? And her response, ooh, this is like the fountain of youth. Like if I drink this water, I get to live forever? Sign me up. Like where's this water? And she's like, but you don't even have a pail. How are you going to get this water? He's like, Ugh. all right, let's try again. He's like, um, go get your husband. She's like, ooh, uh, I don't have one. He's like, you're right, you had five. And the man you're living with right now ain't your husband. She's like, uh, how'd you know that, right? Her response, I can see that you're a prophet. You know things about my life that nobody else knows, or if they know, I've never met you before, dude. You're just sitting by the well. How do you know these things? Okay, I can tell you're a prophet. You spoke about living water, right? That will last of eternity. You spoke, about, um, you spoke about things that are true, that were true in my life and what are true now. I can tell you're a prophet. She says, and he says to her, it, you worship, Samaritans, you guys worship a God you don't know. But I tell you this, there will come a day soon where you will not be worshiping in Jerusalem or on this mountainside, but you will worship God in spirit and in truth because God is spirit. And one day you will know God by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so he says, again, he's telling her, if you knew, I want you to, I'm telling you these things so you know who I am and who has sent me. After he says that, the, the, uh, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she says, uh, yeah, the Messiah will come and will teach us all of these things. He'll make all things clear. And what does Jesus say? I am that one. I am that man that you just said is coming. That's me. And now you know. So go and walk how I walk. Are we speaking the good news of the gospel so that people know who God is and what he has done so that they can walk how he walked? Okay, some reflection questions for my alarm is going off, and so I know we're on the last thing. So reflection questions for speak. How are we speaking the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to ourselves and others? Does how we speak, again, these two questions out of my heart. Does how we speak to one another display that we know God and walk with him? How we talk to other people, does it display that we know God and we walk with Jesus? Here's the question that got me. Does how we speak about one another display that we know God and that we walk with Jesus? Right? 
we might be able to speak the good news to somebody, but when we're speaking about somebody, are we still displaying the good news of the gospel of Jesus? Ooh, I was like, ooh. Jesus was preaching to me this week. I was like, dang. Last S has to do with, uh, it wasn't sleep. Sleep kind of part of it. Y'all, y'all, y'all in school, y'all need to raise your hand and wait for me to call on you. Sabbath, yes, good job though. Good job, I mean, good job. You got it right, Sabbath. What does Sabbath mean? Let's, let's take that one. What does Sabbath mean? All right, smarty pants. Sabbath. Often a, a regular part of our lives that is often neglected. If you're like me, Sabbath and rest is the first thing to go when life gets busy. Right? I got lesson plans to do. I got a bunch of things to grade now since everyone's turning everything online. Right? I got to figure out what I'm teaching. I got to figure out how I'm going to teach this. Right? I got to build a table. I got to prepare for this sermon. I start seminary in a week. I'm like, ain't no one got time to Sabbath. Ain't no one got time for that, right? But God says, hey, keep this. It's a commandment. It made it into the top 10. Keep this day and keep it holy. Right? He said Sabbath was created for man, man, not for Sabbath. This was God, uh, God's original intent and order in creation. And he displays it by also Sabbathing. You know, after doing some little things like creating all of life and the universe and creation. I'm going to take a rest. So if God, after creating all things, has displayed for us that the kingdom of God rests, then we too need to make sure we build into our lives a regular rhythm of Sabbath. Right? As we look at Jesus' life, if you read through all, all throughout the gospel, it often says, it regularly says, Jesus retreated to the hills to spend time with the Father. And oftentimes, when those times he took some solitude and some silence and he retreated, often, almost all of the time, it was right after he did some healing. It was right after he performed a miracle or healed somebody, and then all of the crowds were like, what? Crowds started to gather. And that's when he was like, I'm out. I need some silence. I need to spend time with my father. And in our culture that praises busyness, in our culture that praises celebrity and notoriety and authority and influence, Jesus is like, that's not what the kingdom of God is like. I'm not putting on a show here. I don't want fame and fortune and influence in the ways that you guys think. That's not what the kingdom of God is like. I'm not here to perform miracles just to put on a show. I'm giving, I do these healings, I perform the miracles to give you a foretaste 
of what the new creation is going to be like. You see, in this new creation, I won't have to heal anymore. We're all going to Sabbath. All of life is going to be a Sabbath, right? It's going to be restful. We're still going to work in the new creation, but it's not going to be on thorns and thistles. It's going to be life-giving. It's going to bring joy, contentment. It's going to be good. It's going to draw us into a more deeper relationship to God. So how do we live this out in a practical way where the world around us says, that's different. They intentionally take time to not work. You see, when we Sabbath, we are acknowledging God. We are not in control. When we take time to stop working, we are acknowledging, look, I can't do this. I am not in control of all these things. Only you are. This rhythm is practiced when we believe the truth of who God is. Because when we know and trust that God, that the God who created all things in this set order to all of creation is the one true living God, then we arrive at a place where we recognize we are not in control. And this should bring us rest. So what does resting look like for us? Where and when are we taking Sabbath to not let our work define who we are, but retreating to know God in order to then walk like Jesus walked? I asked my family this question. I'm like, guys, what is restful for you? What brings you rest? What brings you joy? What are some things where you do them or you go there? At the end, you're like, oh. That was, that was just good for my soul. I feel rested. I can, I can work now out of a place where I acknowledge I'm not in control and I'm good to go. What are some of those things? And so I asked my family this and some of their answers were going camping, uh, being in God's creation, going to the beach. I was like, ooh, amen. Yes. Swimming with family and friends. Petting our dog, Louie, is restful, right? Which science proves if you pet a dog or a pet, it does help you mentally and emotionally and physically. So I was like, yes, that does. But I want to hear from you. What are some things that bring you rest that after you do them, you're like, oh, that was good for my soul. And now I can enter into, I can enter back into work back into life in a more healthy spot where I know it's not about me and what I get done, but it's about God and proclaiming the good news of the story. What are some things for you or for your family that bring you rest, that are Sabbath for you? Taking a nap. So, sleeping, good to see, yeah. Taking a nap, yeah. There's nothing like an afternoon nap, although my afternoon naps usually turn into three or four hour naps, and I'm like, eh but it is restful. Yeah, Maya, what's restful for you? It's, it, it means like, um, like after you do them, you feel um, like joyful. You feel like, oh, yes, now I can go to work. 
No? That's okay. Think about it. What else? What are some other things? Yeah. Walking, taking walks, yes. Something about walking in God's creation where you're able to hear and see what he is doing. Yes, good, thank you. What else? Maybe one more. I see people fanning themselves and I'm sweating over here. So we're gonna do one more. Yeah, being lazy. Not exactly the same thing. Thank you for saying that. Not exactly the same thing as being restful, right? But it's not exactly shirking or neglecting responsibility, but understanding that we are not in control. Good. Anybody else? Okay. Yeah. Quality time. Yeah. That's life-giving. I'm a, I'm a quality time person too. Yeah. If you, the five love languages, if yours is quality time, like me, good to go. I don't remember what the other four are because I'm not them, so Sorry been a while since I've done the five love languages. But yeah, quality time. Good. Some reflection questions. What in our lives do we constantly try to control? What in our lives do we constantly try to control? Second question, where might God be calling us to trust him, release that control, and find rest? And then three, how can I or my family build a regular rhythm of Sabbath in our home? But let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that these rhythms are not just meant to give us a good life and for us to have a checklist of things to do so that we can prove we're good Christian people. But God, these are rhythms that we can build into our lives so that we can invite others into relationship, so that we and them might know you as the one true living God, the God and creator of all things. So God, as we walk these out, may we do it like how Jesus did, that constantly points back to you and says, know him, live out of that identity, and then walk this out. It's in your name we pray, amen.